Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello there, and uh, welcome to today's program. Um, You may hear a little background noise here. That's because I just finished doing a talk in Yonkers, New York, to a rather large group of educators, and I'm doing the program today from a school cafeteria. Um, So you may hear cafeteria noise in the background. Hopefully it won't be too distracting, but maybe maybe it will help us realize that collaborative problem solving is about as in the trenches as it gets. Um, Not just hearing the sound of people shoveling ice from the ice machine is in the trenches, but you know what I mean but I'm glad that you have decided to join in on the program today. Um, Today, of course, is my favorite program of the month, our parents' panel, and I'm sorry to report that today is the last parents' panel of the school year. We take summers off on collaborative problem-solving at home and collaborative problem-solving at school. So soon, at the end of May, we will be done um, sadly with our program for this year, but don't worry, we'll start up again in September, and presumably we'll have many of the same members of our parents' panel with us yet again. Um, but now, the fact that it's, today's our parents' panel does not mean that you shouldn't call in. You should call in if you want to. And if you want to call in, that number is uh, 347-994-2981. Um, but I'm going to bring our parents' panel members on the air right now. And, and by the way, if you're not calling in tight, feel free to send me an email if if you want to during the program or at any time outside of the program, as you know by listening to this program, if you do, that um, we answer lots of questions by email on this program as well. So I'm going to bring our parents panel members on to the program real quick here. Sharon, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I am well. I'm glad that you were able to do this today. And Susie, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Dr. Green. How are you? I am well. And Peter, how are you today? I'm fine, Dr. Green. Good. And we actually have a caller, and I'm not positive because I was a little hurried in getting the program going here. We have a caller, and I'm just checking to see if this is uh, Kirsten, who's one of our other 
current panel members who joins us from time to time. Is that you, Kirsten? It is not. I'm going to introduce our caller from area code 973. Do you hear the school bells ringing in the background? That make it sound like this is an authentic program. <laughs> we, we begin every program. I think that will be the only time we hear it. We begin every program with me asking our parents panel members if they have anything they want to talk about today. Um, anybody have anything that's hot on their minds? There are certainly some interesting things that have happened in the news lately. Um, to what degree they relate to challenging kids, uh, we guess we'd have to decide. But uh, anybody have anything on their minds? Well, I'm sure you're referring to the royal wedding, of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. I'm, I was thinking challenging kids the whole time. <laughs> Those little bridesmaids and. and uh, I, I was thinking about how challenging kids with sensory issues would have had all those outfits off uh, before the profession <laughs> even got going. Um, how some challenging kids would have had a devil of a time sitting through that ceremony or sitting in the carriages. Um, yeah, I was thinking challenging kids a little bit, but Susie, what do you mean? Um, no, I was just teasing, and um, I'm sorry. I really tried to come up with something interesting to say for today, and um, you're right. There are some interesting things in the news, but personally, um, there's not a whole lot of interesting things going on in my life right now. None, eh? <laughs> no, just the <laughs> usual <laughs> Just the usual, um, my 16-year-old daughter having a incredibly difficult time going to school, staying in school, um, digging herself out from her um, hole that she's gotten herself into behind on schoolwork and her... Um, 24-year-old Israeli boyfriend but who's visiting for three and a half weeks. But no, just the usual. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, plate, is, plate is full, Susie. <laughs> well, it's always colorful in our household. And What's it, the expression? May you live in interesting times? <laughs> <laughs> well, it always provides... Uh, some laughter to you, so that's a good thing. Humor, right? We always say humor. Yeah. <laughs> I sympathize. And I sympathize. Speaking of humor, here's Sharon. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's like my son who has his issues of not wanting to, you know, bathe regularly and, you know, dropping out of two different schools and living at home and keeping all his dirty dishes in his room and finally got him to go to a support group for other kids like himself and of course his comment is that they're all weird and I'm like okay <laughs> you think you're totally together uh, always, I always laugh but he's like I can't relate to these people so I'm like who can you relate to <laughs> but, I'm uh, nodding my head yes Sharon yes, but I... at least it's positive they actually you know went twice to um to like a game night at a place uh, where there are um, young adults like himself. And so I was very proud that he actually did it and um, hope that he, you know, will continue and maybe eventually 
you know, find someone that he can connect with. But uh, I always love the comment that those when he tells me that people are weird. So <laughs> oh, makes me kind of laugh. I just shake my head and go, you know, Michael, you're right. <laughs> your, your children are proof that um, even after a lot of progress has been made, there is still more progress to be made because um, both of your kids have had periods in their lives in which they have been doing much more poorly than they are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, the you know, the, the tricky part is um, many parents of challenging kids think, um, when will we be there? When, when are we done? Um, when do we know that this has worked? Um, and that suggests, of course, always that there is some end point at which we know that it's crystal clear, you know, that the clouds have parted, the sea has parted, the sun is shining, we're, we're on dry land, and we can say, see, it works. When in fact, sometimes you get sort of these night and day, it worked experiences, certainly from where I sit, sometimes I'll get a night and day experience of it worked. More often, working means gradual, incremental progress and um, having a good sense of where you were, having um, a good sense about how you want to continue making things better. Notice I didn't say where you want to get because that's hard for a lot of folks to answer. Um, You know where you've been, you've got perspective on it, and you're doing the things that you have faith in that will get your child to a better place, whatever that means. But as I always say, better is better. Um, Peter, any, any want to weigh in on any hot topics for this week? Well, I have much younger children. I have actually two things to say. One is very positive, and the other one is a, a bit of a plea for help. But I'll start with the more positive thing. Um, my my older son has started using a weekly planner in, in class, because that's what they have started to introduce in uh, grade three. And um, what we've requested from the school is that they send it home every day as a communication log, and that's working very well. Um, he's he's very visual, so when he can see all of the things that need to be done for the week, um, it's resulting in him um, using his time a little bit better. Uh, he still has needs a lot of frequent reminders, and but uh, at least we're starting to be able to get some feel for the, the week as a whole. So that's very, very positive news. Um, on the negative side... My two children have, we're having trouble with sibling interactions. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and they seem to be have started a new game of, of trying to annoy each other. And, and it, it's sort of a game where one will sort of relentlessly tease the other until the other one kind of spazzes out. And then they're, they figure out who the winner is, and, and it's, it's very, very disruptive. We're no, that's <laughs> really not sure what to do about it. <laughs> no, I, I am not laughing at Sharon, your Sharon um, says it's situation. normal. Maybe you don't have to do anything about it. Okay. That's, that's so that? normal. You know, that's just such a normal thing. Oh. Because my husband doesn't understand it because he, there's such a huge age difference between him and his siblings that he was like an only child. So whenever my kids got into it with each other, he would have a fit. And I'd say it's so normal. It's just such a normal behavior. You know, of course, I mean, Dr. Green can give those recommendations of, uh, you know, how how to make it a little more calmer for the parent. But uh, don't think it's unusual. I don't think that's unusual at all. 
Okay, maybe I jump in. Sibling torture is part of growing up. Okay. Well, well I don't remember doing well. it. I, li- I live in a in my family. We're, we're seven kids, and and I was the youngest. So it was quite a big gap between uh, myself and and my next uh, sibling, but. I just don't remember it being that. Well, you know what? People, when you come from a large family, they all, everyone sort of takes care of each other. And it's funny because my friends who are from large families, they don't have that rivalry that you have with two. With two, you only have each other to torture. So, oh, that's true. you know, it just, I, what do you think, Dr. Green? For me, they torture well, me too. I, I think that, I think that um, irrespective of the number, if we say it's normal, then that would be that would cause me to be inclined to put it into plan C and say, I don't care about this right now because I think it's normal. But I try hard, while, while it is sometimes the case that I have to tell people what's developmentally normal, normal is often defined by what's bugging the adult who's hanging out with the kid. Um, so while Peter might be comforted to know that the game his kids are playing with each other is normal, that's not necessarily making Peter feel better about it enough to decide not to work on it. If Peter decides, oh, that's normal, then I don't need to work on it. Then that's plan C. If Peter decides that might be normal, but it's driving me crazy, then Peter's going to end up wanting to work on it and putting it in plan B. You know, because each parent has their own, and this is neither negative nor positive, but everybody has their own tolerances mm-hmm. for different things that kids do. Um, I'm not huge on um, life when my uh, 13-year-old daughter is being extremely loud, apparently. I don't do loud well, Um on the other hand, there's things that my 13-year-old daughter or my 10-year-old son do that really don't bug me very much but that drive my wife crazy, in which case we have completely different tolerances. So I guess my attitude is normal or not, whether if it's, if it's normal and that makes us feel better to the point that we don't think we need to work on it, then we do plan C and we just say that's normal, I'm going to leave it alone. Um, not Whether normal or not, though, if it's bugging us, we probably want to do something about it and that would lead us into plan B. What do, what do you all think? Well, I I mean, I agree. I I certainly didn't mean that you shouldn't work on it. I always, I I don't let, I try to stop it, avoid it, try to talk to them, say this isn't how we treat each other. You know, I always work on it, but it doesn't surprise me when it happens. Of course it annoys me when it happens, but it, it doesn't shock me that it shouldn't happen. You know, there's always jealousy and there's always one thing that's going to annoy another sibling. Um but I, I, you know, I definitely agree with you. You you always should work at it so that they can sort of resolve, teach them how to resolve issues because then they can sort of carry it into the outside world. What concerns me is that frequently they they end up hitting each other a lot. And here's the interesting thing. There are some parents, who would say that's just kids. Um, Hitting happens to be one of the things that if my kids were doing them, I would have trouble not working on that. Um, I would have to work on that. 
depends a little bit on the nature of the hitting, but I find that a little hitting sometimes turns into bigger hitting, in which case um, I would have trouble putting that in plan C. But that's, you know, that's an interesting dilemma, that, or at least decision, that a lot of parents of challenging kids in particular, but even parents of regular old kids, whatever that means, have to make, and that is, do I want to work on this right now? One of the big features of collaborative problem solving is, is it says you can't work on everything at once. So some things you're going to drop. What goes into deciding what you're going to drop could be it's not that unusual, could be it's normal. What goes into deciding whether you're not dropping something could be, you know what, that might be normal, but it's driving me crazy. Hitting is one that I always have a great deal of trouble just letting go. I, I would have trouble doing that. I agree. And, and the other thing that I just wanted to add is, Peter, your children are still young enough that you have this wonderful window of opportunity to work on these unsolved problems if you see it as such. Um, if if it is if this game is driving you a little bit crazy, um, you have this this great time. To, to bring it up and, and to work on these things with the kids while they're still very open and um, not so much challenging and listening to you. Um, I'm not saying that, that it doesn't work when they're older. I'm just saying you have to work a bit harder when they're older. I see. So, Peter, it does sound like you have a concern that you would want to enter consideration about this game in the define the problem step of Plan B. If you okay. decide to do Plan B about this, then you would have to gather information about your children's concern or perspective on this unsolved problem. And this is, of course, me just reminding people of what we're doing here. Um, if um, you're doing any of this, you're going to want to do it proactively, not when they're already in the midst of hitting each other. And you're going to try to understand it well enough, their concerns, your concerns, to try to work toward a solution that works for all of you. And um, that's how in the collaborative problem-solving territories we would deal with that unsolved problem. I should let you all know we have some callers, shall Great. we? Sure. Now, I've, I've tried bringing our caller from area code 973 on the program already, but uh, unsuccessfully. Let's see... Area code nine seven three caller. Are you interested in raising a question for the parents panel? Hello, can you hear me? We yes. can hear you fine. Yes. Oh, okay. Because I tried talking before, but I wasn't heard. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I read I read your book several years ago, and reading it, I felt like I I always thought my son was one of a kind, and I read the book, and I felt like there are more more people like that, and it really was so helpful to me. It helped me um, talk to the school and, and develop plans to get him, um, you know, to, to relax more. And he's he's been diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety, but, you know, there are so many people who say that it's not a, that's not ADHD, that, you know, and, you know, said things like maybe it's bipolar or oppositional but he never fits any one particular thing he's kind of like a smattering of everything but but the big problem is that he just has very low frustration tolerance very low self-esteem and he acts out when he gets upset and uh, he's now turning 14 years old you hear me 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we can hear you okay. fine. All right. Um, and he'd been doing really well, and I'm starting to see him revert to a lot of the behaviors that he was doing previously. And um, he's at an age now where his outbursts get more intense because he's stronger. And I don't know how to handle it. I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm reading the book again and trying to implement things, but I, I really feel like I can't do it by myself, and I don't know where to go for help. Well, um, first of all, the good news, if there is any, um, is that um, our parents' panel is living proof that you're not alone. Each mm-hmm. of our parents on the panel, as well as the hundreds of thousands of parents out there who have challenging kids, um, are certainly empathizing with your situation. And um, hopefully um, you're crystal clear now that um, you're not alone out there. So that's a good thing. Right. Um, um the fact that your son was doing well and has started doing poorly again mm-hmm. may suggest that the unsolved problems that were getting in his way earlier were solved well enough for him to get a good streak going, but that uh-huh. apparently, and of course I don't know him at all, so I'm only talking generically, right. um, but that apparently something has come up recently in his life, who knows, maybe it's academic demands, maybe it's social demands, who knows, this is the hard, this is the first hard part to try to figure out what's going on. Something has come up recently that has exceeded the skills that he has now at the age of 14 to respond adaptively to those demands, and he has started showing signs again of having difficulty handling whatever demands are being placed upon him right now. In which case, see, the thing, interesting thing to me is that some of these demands he perceives as being difficult, but he's very capable of handling them. Like he, he's a brilliant kid. He's an excellent writer. He always gets straight A's. But anytime he's approaching something that he's about to write, and this was a problem back in third grade, and you know his teachers <clears throat> have worked with him on developing you know a can-do attitude, on limiting his choices because he always felt like he doesn't know where to begin, and he went from having a one-on-one aid to having a shared aid to having in-class support, and then last year they, he wasn't using the in-class support, and now he's on his own, and we started seeing that he's saying again he doesn't he can't he can't write, as an example. Well, I must say, here's here's an interesting pattern that sometimes develops. Um, it's not uncommon for us to assume that a kid can do something and to believe that he can do it. But if we stick with the same theme, with the with the most important themes of collaborative problem solving, kids do well if they can. Mm-hmm. doing well is preferable, then I'm going to operate on the assumption that just like he was for a while, uh, your son does the writing when he can do the writing, and that there is something about the demands of writing that have been placed upon him presently that may differ enough from the demands that were previously being placed upon him, mm-hmm. that for some reason they are now exceeding the skills that he has to respond adaptively to those demands. 
something but is happened. it the writing itself or is it his anxiety level about something else that's making him place the the anxiety on the writing task well i'll tell you i'll tell you where i find that out i find that out in the empathy step of plan b okay but i, I will say this i'm not I, i'm having trouble understanding how he would have become um, anxious about the writing again if he was able to do the writing in the first place. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not sure why he would have trouble. Why he'd be anxious about it if he wasn't having trouble doing it. Now anything's possible, and the bottom line is we could conjecture all we want. But you have an unsolved problem, and the right. fact that your son is exhibiting some old, familiar behaviors that maybe we haven't seen in a while. The fact that you've been able to narrow it down to writing and maybe a few other things that you haven't mentioned. Yeah, that that was an thing. example. Okay. Uh, what we want to do is be similarly specific about other things that are setting in motion uh, his behaviors that we're not pleased with, and those are our unsolved problems. And then we need to figure out with him in collaboration with him. This is collaborative problem solving, and he has important information that we need. Mm-hmm. What exactly is getting in his way now on the things that are causing him to get frustrated and for him to exhibit behaviors that we're not so keen on? Same, yeah. same process. It's same very hard to, to get information from him because as I try to help him and as his mother, I'm like the enemy. Every time I'm trying to help him, he's looking at it as I'm criticizing him and it's making him feel worse. So I'm trying to lay back a bit, but, you know, he he's just, he sabotages himself, you know, and then he well, punishes and himself, <laughs> and it gets worse, well, it just some, follows this whole cycle. There are some kids who, and parents, who sometimes, not always, but sometimes because of patterns of interaction that preceded Plan B, mm-hmm. where when the parent tries to talk, their child, and hopefully we're doing this proactively, not emergently. We would be we would be putting ourselves at a tremendous disadvantage if we're trying to get your son to talk to us if we're doing that when he's already hot. But sometimes those conversations can't take place until we start with another big unsolved problem. And here's how that would sound. I've noticed that whenever I try to talk with you about something you're having trouble with, you get mad at me, and you think I'm criticizing you. Mm-hmm. What's up? Sometimes that conversation needs to take place first before the child is going to give us any of the information because we need to find out why he's having trouble talking with us sometimes first, and that's how I go about doing that. I mean, we've even, you know, we've been working with a therapist for many years, and, you know, he's going back to a lot of, you know, he, he tends to, he likes to take flight when he doesn't want to deal with things. And, you know, therapists will ask him a question. He's all calm and in good spirits. And then as soon as you start talking about something, he went hiding. <laughs> well, and I'd say that there's something to that. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to make any assumptions about your son. Um, all I can say is when human beings are exhibiting behaviors that are maladaptive, it's always possible to sniff out a lagging skill and an unsolved problem. So mm-hmm. whether it's in the therapist's office, and I'm very glad that he's got a therapist. I'm not so glad that he seems to be having trouble talking to the therapist. But that says to me that there's something about talking, either to you or the therapist, 
that's hard for him. And mm-hmm. we badly need to know what that is. So I don't know if any of our other members of the parents panel have been through something similar, but um, this is my usual guidance. If a child is having difficulty talking with us, then our goal is to figure out why. Any of our parents panel members want to weigh in? Well, you know, I kind of like what you said before when we were talking about our kids and saying that it's an ongoing um, it's ongoing situation from childhood to through puberty, through teens, through young adults. They 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 do well, and then they have setbacks, and this is um, sort of the nature of the beast. As uh, they can do really well for a period of time, and then you get you it fills you with sort of false hope. That's that's how I always looked at it. That I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know. He's fine now, but then there's the setback. So I think you shouldn't set yourself up um, for or him up for the failure because it's not going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be great, and then they're going to take steps backwards. And then I'm just at a loss for how how I can help him. I feel like I can't help him. Well, you know, I my my uh, son also felt like I didn't support him sometimes. That I was picking, you know, criticizing too much. Mm-hmm. So um, when I got him in the car, which I found was the best time, where he was a captive audience and he had nowhere to go, mm-hmm. I would have these talks and say, you know, how much I loved him and that I'm there for him, and I'm sorry if you feel I'm criticizing you because I really don't want to. Um, and and take it from there and say, you know, just keep giving those pep talks. I only want the best for you. I only want you to succeed. I want you to help me. You know, if you sort of hold back and, and, and just bear your soul to your kids at that age, it, it's really pretty... Amazing. I mean, I think they realize that you are their friend and not their, you know, adversary. Mm-hmm. I also question I, I whether feel. it's his particular age to begin with that, you know, going into high school next year and, you know, all the puberty changes going on, if, if that has an effect. And, you know, if I'm just waiting for this to bypass. or <laughs> I think that absolutely has an effect. He Puberty, I think, is a huge part of... Um, a child's life and the changes that go on within themselves that they don't understand. And also he probably can't explain it to you, and he might not. Does he have a peer group of friends? Yeah, he does, actually. He has a small group of friends, and, you know, they watch movies or play video games. They eat lunch together at school every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but he might have questions that he's, that aren't being answered, and he doesn't, you know, understand how to deal with them as well. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, Susie, you have a, a child that's gone through puberty. So what do you think? Um, I agree with what you were saying, Sharon, about speaking from your heart and having these daily conversations with your child because while the conversations take time, you know, we know that it takes time to do Plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't afford not to. Um, I think 14, 13, 14 is a difficult time mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, they become more self-aware, and then they see their differences more, I think, also. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess in my, in my son's case, um, when he, he had very low frustration tolerance and when he got hot, he just got too hot. Yeah. And, and it was that too. mm -hmm, Learning to teach him a vocabulary and, and some skills, what to do. Um, when the situation arose, and I guess it just—it all takes time. I—I I don't have. There is no one magic answer. Um, I think by having the conversations and and communicating with your kid, you're—he knows that you're on his side, and you're taking the time, and you're—you're you're really hearing him um you might not always agree mm-hmm. and that's okay to see things differently um i know but that's he has kind to know of... that you're always there for him unconditionally yeah, yeah i i think he does yeah. but but then as soon as as something comes up it's just gone <laughs> you know we can have the conversation the therapist you know tell him you know one of the things he does is he 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 has task avoidance when he doesn't want to write. So he's been trying to start work at midnight. And, you know, we said, let's try, you know, spend 10 minutes when you come home from school. Can you do that? Yes. You know, you're working out. Collaborative problem solving that. This is, you know, one step to just try that. Okay, okay, he agrees. Should I remind him? Yes, remind him. Comes home from school, you know, he's sitting down to watch TV. I'm like, Andrew, remember, you said you're going to do this. and And, you know, okay, just a minute. And then it's like, then it could be, you know, he doesn't do it. And I'm like, Andrew, remember? And and then I'm bugging him. Right, right. And, and Well, do you talk to the teachers about it? Have you met with the teachers to see if, uh, yeah, it's, if he doesn't everything understand? Everything moves very slowly at school. You know, he has an IEP, and they're supposed to be checking in with him on the interim due dates and things, and I really don't know what's happening because he's not talking to me and I'm not getting the feedback. Well, then you need to go to the head. You need to yeah. go to the, the head of the school, I would say. And, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, oh, excuse me, were you done? Yes. No, I just go, if, if you're not getting cooperation from, like, teachers, then I'd try to go a step, you know, maybe a step, a little step higher, one step higher. Well, I've been working with the guidance counselor and his case manager. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not not going anywhere at this point. It, it's, it can be painfully. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Sidney. Um... Oh, I know. I was I was just going to say, and forgive me, I don't mean to step on your toes or offend you, but I thought it was your suggestion when you said to your son, um, working on it for 10 minutes when you first get home from school. That was a therapist. But what, would, what was your son's input on that? I mean... Is that is that realistic for him? Because it sounds like it's not working. So maybe well, the no, no. The, the point was we were working on you know getting him to acknowledge the fact that when he waits till the last minute, he's too tired, he's too frustrated. He'll the computer print you know you know every time he does this, there's been a problem. Printer breaks, things like that. Mm-hmm. That he you know to realize that it's best not to wait till the last minute. Even though it's hard, work on it for ten minutes, see how it goes. You know, he's gotten other strategies, too, where, you know, if you can't do the opening thing, work on the bot, you know, and he'll say, okay, I'm going to try that. 
And he, I mean, I got to figure that he's just so anxious that he can't even do that, but he's just not verbalizing it and appearing to be just oppositional. Well, he, well he, I got I to gotta weigh in. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that we're trying a lot of strategies. Uh-huh. And, and I hear the assumptions we're making when, he, when those strategies are un- unsuccessful. What I'm not hearing is that we have a clear understanding yet of what I may also, by the way, be hearing why he is not terribly receptive to our suggestions anymore. They, they actually haven't gone so well for him. But the most important thing that I'm hearing is that I, I'm not hearing anything that tells me that we yet understand what's getting in your son's way on the writing. He doesn't know where to begin. All right. That, that doesn't know what to write to about. Yeah. That I want to hear much more about. I've, I've worked with many kids who um, had help in writing, got that writing help tapered down slowly but surely, and then because they became so dependent on the help, mm-hmm. and sometimes because the help did not set the stage for them to do what they needed to do in writing independently, once the help was removed, they weren't actually a whole lot further along than they were before the help began because the, the help was of a nature that actually didn't necessarily promote independence, but that simply promoted getting it done with help. So but I would from what I've gathered, at his word. From what I've gathered, though, because he had the one, as I said earlier, he went from one-on-one help to shared aid, to in-class support, and in this conferences last year, his teachers were raving about him. He didn't. He said he didn't use the, the in-class support. If anything, it was holding him back. That he could do more on. That he was doing more when he worked on his own. That's the feedback I got. So it sounds like they, well, you know, gradually progressed with him. Well, and he seems to be giving us information that suggests that. Um, what they did with him did not have quite such a rosy outcome. And, you know, the analogy I would use is this. Um, I went to the doctor with a fever, and the doctor put me on antibiotics, and the fever went down. But then two weeks later, I had a fever again. And Mm -hmm. the doctor was saying, well, we we treated your difficulties well with the antibiotics. If my fever started going up again, and I went to the doctor and said, doctor, I got a fever again. I'd be rather disappointed in my doctor if the doctor looked at me and said, well, look, the antibiotics worked. Um, I don't really know what's going on with you now. All I know is that the antibiotics worked, and that's that, right? What would I be saying? Yeah, but I'm still, I still got a fever, doc. I know that it went down, but it's back. Um, I wonder if your son is saying, I understand that my fever went down, and I understand that people are saying that the help that they gave me uh, made it possible for me to do this work independently, but I'm letting you know, I can't. Mm-hmm. And then the interesting thing is how we respond to that. I, I think we need to take your son at his word that there are still things about writing that he's struggling with because to tell you the truth, if we're, once again, if we stick with the theme of collaborative problem solving, kids do all if they can, then we mm-hmm. would assume that if he could do the writing independently, he would do the writing independently, the fact that he's telling me he's having difficulty getting started and difficulty finding the words and difficulty knowing what to write says that no matter how well people helped him way back when, 
Apparently, mm-hmm. he's not able to do it independently now, and I would take him at his word for that. Okay. I have a question. So I understand the dilemma for you that, you know, you're being told by people, yes, this worked. We we reduced the fever. What we did was effective. But to right. say the truth, I am inclined, not knowing the specifics of your situation at all, but I would rather make the mistake of believing your son and being proven wrong than not being than not believing him and being proven wrong that way. You know what, Doctor Green? Oh, I'm I sorry. Agree. I agree. I just don't know Put if it's actually away. writing that's causing the distress, or the fact that if he has an anxious mind, that he's projecting it onto writing. Well, that. that the clinician who's working with you. Mm-hmm. That that shouldn't be that part of a thing to sort through with your son. So I'm hoping that that's the type of thing that the clinician you're working with already. Because yeah. he, I mean, he's getting validation that he is a great writer because when everything he writes, he he's getting like 97, 98. Like last year he was bragging he got upset when he only had a 99 average in English. You know, like if if that's not reinforcing, like... <laughs> Well, but that assumes that reinforcement for writing something well is enough to get him started and enough to give him the words to use. I know that one of my two children is a wonderful writer, but mm-hmm. they can't write anything at all unless we help them get started. Mm-hmm. Then they're a wonderful writer. Um, so we may be talking about two completely different things. He may be a wonderful writer, but if he's, not, if he's having difficulty getting started, then he doesn't look like such a wonderful writer. But I guess the bottom line is... First, first, we need to believe your son when he tells us that he's having the difficulties he's having. And then we need to set the stage for him to be able to talk with us about that so we can get the information we're looking for and really understand what's getting in his way. Okay. Here, I was going to have you weigh in there and call. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute you again here because we're almost done with the program anyways. But I okay. do appreciate you calling in. I, I hope you found this to be helpful. I, I did. Thank you. Good. I was just Peter, wondering ahead, if it might be a situation of um, the transition from after from going to school to after school. If if that if something might have changed, yeah, if something might have changed so that he has trouble getting started after school. Uh, you know, the, the, one thing I'm convinced of: there's much to learn about why this caller's son is having the difficulties he's having. But first, we have to believe that he's having the difficulties then we can sort it through and really figure it out. Other comments that our panel has. We have about two minutes left in the program. Well, you know what's interesting? Um, My younger son, who doesn't have uh, issues, you know, I'd say a bit ADD, he was having difficulty writing too. uh, But it ended up, and doing homework, and it ended up being basically that he was so overwhelmed with the volume of all the work that he just didn't know where to begin. Um, And it was an organizational thing. And once he was given the skills through tutors and through support at school, it made all the difference in the world. So sometimes it can be a simple fix and sometimes it takes a little bit more. But I think all kids get stuck regardless. Yeah, that's true. And you have to figure out why they're getting stuck and figure out... Uh, how to unstick them. 
in the case of our caller, it sounds like the help that was provided was helpful for a while. But, you know, writing demands don't stay static. Writing gets harder. That's People right. People expect increasingly greater independence. And, um, boy, I, I'm ho- I hope that they are able to help him talk about those things and that his difficulties are clarified and that, therefore, he gets the help he needs to get back on track again. Absolutely. We're not done with the bells, are we? But those bells are also telling us, and I want to apologize to our caller from area code 206, who we were not able to get to today, but please call in again next week, and we will make sure that you are first in line. Um, But that bell also tells us that it's the end of our program and the end of our parents' panel for this school year. Of course, very sad, but I want to thank all three of our parents' panel members, Susie, Sharon, and Peter, for... um, all of your wisdom and your time and participating in the program. And um, I hope that each of you will be willing to do this again when we do it again next year. Thank you so oh, much. Definitely. Thank you. It was great. Thank you, Dr. Good. Green, for all Thank your you. hard work um, and dedication. Dr. Green. Bye, Susie and you Peter. My fa- Bye. <laughs> See you in you September. Okay. Uh, I was going to mention uh, the so next time we meet. We'll have to end the program. We'll talk to you next week on Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. Take care. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.